Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. <laughs> I just learned something. Oh, I'm having fun now. Some people are unfairly maligned in history. Hmm. Some people aren't. <laughs> Some people are just dicks. <laughs> it was a kernel of wisdom there, Shanigans. <laughs> well done. You can put that on a shirt. <laughs> hey, Duncan. Yo, hit me. So I got to give it up to the Discord this time. I am very happy with their selection. Nicely done, Discord. Yeah. Sometimes I'm really, really excited about one subject. Mm. And that's the times when it hurts when they don't pick that subject. I'm like, really? That's what you guys want to? Really? Because did you see B up here? I, vo I voted for the, for the B. I never vote. I haven't voted, but I have, uh, as I think I've mentioned this to you, I have had Jody vote. Yes. But in this case, they chose the one that immediately I looked at and was like, boy, I really want to do an episode about that. Get there. All right. Well done, Discord. And also, just a quick shout out to the mods who have been crushing it on Discord. Who really... Uh, mod fam. Killing it. We chose well. Indeed. Husk and Lydia and Soggy and Leviathan, they're all top notch. Grade A++ folk. Nicely done, gents and ladies, excuse me, and they. I think I'm just so happy that we got to do this episode that I'm like, everybody gets a cookie. Everyone gets a cookie and a pat on the back and drink this Kool-Aid. I mean, wait. This topic, yes. spying and espionage, the history of spies and spying and shady behavior. You know I like a good paper. You do, you do like a good backstab. It's true. I enjoy shady people being shady. Not like in my personal life, but I like to read about it and be happy that it's not me. Word. So as with so many topics we've covered, the history of espionage begins way back in postiquity. The impulses behind keeping secrets and stealing secrets and butting into other people's business are ingrained in human DNA. So since we crawled out of trees and got language? Probably before. I, mean, I think fair. there's probably slime stabbing other slime in the back or at least talking shit about each other. They're like, that guy, he's trying to crawl up on land, breathing air. Ooh, I breathe air. <laughs> that stuff is toxic. Exactly. It, it erodes shit. Have you ever, dude, you remember my cousin, Flannan Flannan? <laughs> Fucking disintegrated. Went upstairs for just a minute. Just blah, blah, blah. It's true, though. Humans are by nature sneaky sneakersons. Oh, word. That is the technical term. Sneaker, sneakerson. I got sneaky. 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 I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get the pronunciation. Sneaky sneakerson. Sneakerson. <laughs> the ancient Egyptians employed sophisticated spy networks, hmm. as did their Hebrew slaves. Ditto the Greeks and Romans. Uh, perhaps the oldest and most famous codified explanation of espionage and spying techniques comes from the Art of War by Sun Tzu. Yes. A text that dates from feudal China and is still referenced today by confused douche bros everywhere. You know, and business douche bros. Yeah, right? If someone is quoting the art of war, 100% that person is taking a situation horribly out of context and applying weirdly aggressive tactics to everyday scenarios. Or just, you know, outing themselves as a fucking psychopath. You're like, oh, sweet, so you have really no moral compass whatsoever. Cool, all right. Avoiding you. It's like, yeah, bro. Let your plans be dark and impenetrable as the night, and when you move, fall like a thunderbolt. That's why I never lose at beer pong. <laughs> Sun Tzu did lay the foundation for modern military intelligence, and he even identified different categories of spies, differentiating between those who steal secrets and those who spread misinformation. Hmm. 
but perhaps the first actual spying operation in the sense of being an organization dedicated to stealing secrets and decrypting covert communications was created by a badass spymaster named Francis. I'm sorry. Say that again? It's a sentence that's never been uttered. <laughs> Francis Walsingham was a British barrister working for Queen Elizabeth I, and he famously untangled a plot against the Queen hatched by Mary, Queen of Scots. Are you familiar with any of this? Having Ish. Walsingham, I'm going to refer to him as Walsingham because Mary, Queen of Scots, was briefly married to the King of France, whose name was also Francis, and two Francises in France, that's just a mindfuck. I can't handle it. Franco cubed. Got it. Technically, only one was in France, but you get the idea. Yeah. So here's the TLDR. What? Too long. Didn't read. Mary, Queen of Scots, was born as the Queen of Scotland. Hmm. Go figure. That's the name. So weird. And was a descendant of the Tudor lineage, mm -hmm. which also gave her a legitimate claim to the English throne. Yes. In an attempt to unite Scotland and France, Mary was wed to the Dauphin of France, Francis II, aforementioned, mm. and briefly became Queen of France before Francis died, at which point she was sent back to Scotland, where much shenaniganing ensued. Shenanery. Sh Suffice to say, she eventually ended up in England, mm -hmm. where her cousin, Elizabeth I, was now queen, mm -hmm. and saw Mary as a legitimate threat. Elizabeth essentially locked Mary down in, like, home confinement. Okay. And Elizabeth's concerns were eventually proven correct. Sort of. <laughs> like, if you lock someone down and treat them like a criminal, and then they act like a criminal, it's kind of on you. Although, actually, treat like a criminal in this case is subjective. Hmm. Uh, under house arrest, Mary had a staff of 16 and a private chef. And probably a castle, so. Yeah, you know what? Feel free to confine me anytime, English royalty. I lay claim to the throne, if that will help. <laughs> what, what, what throne am I claiming? Um, I, I, don't, I don't care. Pick one. Whichever one will get me a private chef. Yeah, and a staff of 16? I'll settle for a staff of eight. I'm not super bougie. So whether it was justified or not, Mary began corresponding with some very shady individuals using encoded messages. Mm. The shadiest of these individuals was a banker named Alberto Ridolfi, mm. which sounds like the name of a guy who will definitely steal your girlfriend. Or your car. One of the two. Ridolfi wanted to depose the Protestant Elizabeth and return a Catholic ruler to the throne. Mary was Catholic. Now enter Walsingham. Mm. He set up a complex espionage and information network of so-called intelligencers. If you, if you get the word intelligence wrong, I don't know. If English we... is their first language, right? <laughs> this is in England. We've got a wide network of uh, thinky peeps. <laughs> thinky brainersons. Thinky peep geniacs. <laughs> nice. So his network of uh, genius intelligencers hmm. uh, arrested one of the conspirators who was a messaging intermediary for Mary and Ridolfi. Ah. And they forced him to reveal the code. They intercepted all of Mary's correspondence. They basically turned this guy. Hmm. And eventually they did find the smoking gun message in which Mary agreed to a plot to overthrow and murder Elizabeth. Hmm. Walsingham promptly responded by murdering Mary, much to the surprise and chagrin of the queen. She had basically, like, given the okay uh, to scare Mary and sort of, like, it was like a scared straight type situation. And then they just went and slaughtered Mary. And she was like, wait, wait, oh. <laughs> I said scare straight, not scare straight into the ground. Yeah. yeah she, <laughs> There's a difference there. Mm -hmm. mm. She was pissed. But yeah. also, you know, don't give the okay to murder people if you don't want people murdered. Yeah. 
And remember what time period you're in. There's, there's not a lot of right. room for nuance there. Yeah, they took that shit seriously. <laughs> Oi, governor. How dead did you want her? I didn't want her that dead. Bloody hell. <laughs> How dead did you want her? <laughs> So yeah, not exactly a happy ending, but this was one of the most famous modern spying operations, and Walsingham's techniques and spying network would eventually grow in breadth and scope and influence, providing the template for later espionage organizations like MI6 and the CIA. One of the most famous modern? Uh, isn't it postiquity at this point? Like, I'm pretty sure modern would fall, probably fall under, like, the Cold War... Unless you include the internet and computers, we haven't really advanced much beyond intercepting communications, decrypting codes, trying to turn spies. I mean, it was modern in pretty much every sense of the word, except the actual technology they were using. Cool. So in the late 1600s, the center of the espionage world shifted across the channel to France, <clears throat> where the Sun King, Louis XIV, the XIV, his buddies called him Exiv, Little known fact. He pumped resources into the so-called Cabinet Noir, mm. the Black Room or Black Chamber, which was a sophisticated spying operation headquartered in the French post office and dedicated to intercepting and scrutinizing correspondence without tipping off the recipient that his or her letters had been compromised. Uh, with the cunning use of candles and wax? And very skinny letter openers. Really sharp knives, yes. Mm -hmm. Got it. It was high technology. High goddamn tech. They actually did have uh, forgers, though, so they would open letters and then recreate the letters, even recreating the seal with the right kind of wax and everything. So not to be outdone, England also created their own version of the Black Chamber and focused on deciphering the code systems of foreign states. Hmm. Meanwhile, as the Industrial Revolution dawned, corporate espionage became commonplace, hmm. especially in the arena of military technology. The Spanish spy network of the 1700s became infamous for stealing state secrets regarding shipmaking and cannon building from England. Hmm. And a notorious espionage caper targeting France earned Spain the coveted recipe for uh, Pierre's famous sourdough breadsticks, later reclaimed by France only to be stolen once again by one of America's most insidious organizations, the Olive Garden Italian restaurant chain. Well, you had me up until then. I always make it, like, obvious at some point. That's I don't want to, you know, I don't want to actually trick the listeners. I just want to make you look like a fool. Ah, good, good. Solid recipe for success. So speaking of America, mm -hmm. the upstart rebels of the Revolutionary War successfully used spy networks against the British. George Washington, in fact, would become known as, quote, America's first spy master. You rebel scum. And in particular, his spy network, called the Culper Ring, was mm. instrumental in turning the tide of the war. And they were so secretive that their existence wasn't revealed for years. And at least one of their identities, one of the identities of one of the spies, Agent 355, is still unknown to this day. You're keeping an awfully straight face. I don't believe you. What about that strikes you as unbelievable? Agent 355. Is that a thing that I should know about? No, it just doesn't sound believable. Okay. See, now this is the problem. I back myself into a corner exactly. of lying so much. No, that's true. Agent 355, okay. still unknown. All right. And this points to one of the obstacles to exploring the topic of spies and spying. By definition, and due to the nature of the industry, the most successful spies are never identified. Weird, that. Yeah. If you're a well-known spy, you probably suck. We're looking at you, Bond. James Bond. Case in point, famous revolutionary spy Nathan Hale cemented his place in history when he said, quote, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country, 
Of course, if Hale had been as good at spying as he was at crafting memorable quips, he might not have been caught and executed on his very first mission, in which case the one life he gave for his country might have lasted longer than 21 years. Or, you know, been more useful, at least, as a spy. More successful, however, as an American revolutionary spy was James Armistead, a slave who pretended to be an American runaway seeking shelter with the British. He offered American military secrets as collateral for his freedom, but instead provided the Redcoats with false intelligence while simultaneously feeding accurate info back to the Americans. Nice one. One more reasons why reparations should be a thing. For his contribution to the war effort, in the wake of the British defeat, which he helped architect, Armistead was promptly re-enslaved. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it again. As one of us, we suck the balls. <laughs> At least until 1787, when French military general and hero of the revolution, Lafayette, mm. was able to finally secure his release. This was the Lafayette, uh, who, as you probably already know, went to France for more funds and came back with more guns. Lafayette, what? For the Hamilton fans. Word. So Armistead's technique of pretending to be a turncoat and then turncoating against the redcoats is a great example of saying the word coat too many times in one sentence, but also of the complexity and moral gray areas inherent in the spy game. Mm. When your job is to lie and steal and pretend to be someone you're not, you're dabbling in ethical gray areas that can permanently skew your moral compass. You may have heard, for instance, of Benedict Arnold. Mm. Yes, but only through Calvin and Hobbes. I don't actually know who that is. How did, how did he play a part in Calvin and Hobbes? It, it was a whole strip. They were playing Calvin Ball, and, you know, they did a thing, and you Benedict Arnold, and yeah, me. I love Calvin and Hobbes. So does most of our listeners, I'm sure. Benedict Arnold was not actually a character from a beloved comic strip from the 1990s. Uh, he was a spy whose name became synonymous with betrayal. A decorated American general who claimed he was repeatedly passed over for promotions, Arnold conspired with the British to surrender the New York fort that would later become West Point, but his plan was uncovered by George Washington's Culper Ring, and Arnold barely escaped with his life. (laughs) He joined the British Army as a brigadier general, leading British forces against American armies, burning the fields of his homeland and slaughtering many of his former compatriots. So nice guy. He wound up in merry old England after the war before finally succumbing to gout at age 60. But he still lives to this very day in infamy. Word. And, you know, a nicer guy couldn't have died from gout. Yeah, fuck that guy. If you burn, murder, and pillage through your own homeland, through the people you knew, like your neighbors, yeah, unless they absolutely and thoroughly deserve it, gout. Gout forever and death. I hope the gout was especially unpleasant. Word. Don't be a Benedict Arnold. Don't be a gouty bitch. Some people are unfairly maligned in history. Hmm. Some people aren't. <laughs> Some people are just dicks. <laughs> it was a kernel of wisdom there, Shanigans. <laughs> well done. <laughs> you can put that on a shirt. <laughs> Some people are dicks. Some people are not. There are other famous examples of double agents, and we will talk about some of the most notable. But for now, let's continue our trip down espionage memory lane. The next major development in the world of spying and military intelligence was the Great Game, a 19th century Cold War waged primarily between Russia and Britain as the major powers of the developed world vied for colonial supremacy across the globe. Hmm. As the world became more interconnected, nations established diplomatic outposts in rival countries, and embassies became the perfect headquarters for spy networks. Which totally makes sense. You're letting your enemy into your house. 
Why wouldn't you run a spy ring out of said mouse hole? It's like giving your nosy neighbor an entire room in your house and then being shocked when pictures of your sex wing end up on the internet. Seriously. Seriously. The first official permanent military intelligence service, the Evidence Bureau, it's all one word, like Evidence Bureau, but with a Z, Oh. was founded by the Austrian Empire in 1850, followed closely in 1854 by the British Topographical and Statistic Department. Yes, I can tell that is British because it is overnamed and underwhelmingly performing. Yeah, naming-wise, Advantage Austria. Yeah. Jesus. In 1885, the U.S. established its first official espionage agency, the Military Information Division. And by the early 1900s, every superpower had their own version of a spying agency. Mm. With the proliferation of intelligence agencies, naturally comes the dawn of counterintelligence, bureaus and organizations dedicated to detecting and exposing foreign spies. Or at least misinforming them. Remember Spy vs. Spy? Yeah. Mad Magazine. One of my favorite cartoons it's ever. It's just like a black spy and a white spy dressed kind of like witches for some reason with like wide-brimmed hats. And yeah, somewhere between witches and KKK. Yeah. With the cone faces? Yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. What were they supposed to be? Were they birds? I think they were birds. They were just a an epitome of spyhood. Someday we will solve the mystery of the cone-faced spy witches. The rise of government espionage in the early 1900s also coincided with the rise of the spy novel, and the popularity of spy stories in turn fueled interest in the actual espionage industry. Hmm. In England, the Secret Service Bureau, established in 1909, would eventually fracture into numerous departments, including the Directorate of Military Intelligence Section 5, MI5, focused on counterintelligence, and the Military Intelligence Section 6, or Bond, James Bond which would become MI6, the model for America's CIA. Yes. Speaking of which, America's Central Intelligence Agency was created in the wake of World War II and based on an earlier version known as the Office of Strategic Services, which had been founded under Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And clearly named by someone who was at least formerly in the employ of the British. Definitely not an Austrian. No. They should. We need to employ Austrians just to juice up the naming situation i mean you're, you're right we need more foreign bodies at our spy network <laughs> yeah, that'll work out great <laughs> but you can see that we do need it because i couldn't even come up with it. like we needed an austrian to come and help name our spying the names Thing of the spines <laughs> <laughs> because apparently americans and brits not so good with not the so good with the naming yeah yeah so while the CIA is America's most well-known intelligence agency, the United States already had an established counterintelligence agency that would become arguably more critical and possibly more controversial. Hmm. The NSA, the National Security Agency, is America's go-to for SIGINT, hmm. or Signals Intelligence, dedicated to collecting, deciphering, and decrypting information. Otherwise known as the No Such Agency for their, well, earlier at least incredible black level yeah it took a long time before people even understood what the nsa was and to this day they're still very much under the radar yeah just kind of their whole raison de what i don't know how to say that <laughs> raison d'etre that's it yes it is their whole reason for existing is to not be known that remember what we said about if you're a shitty spy that's the only way people know about you right. like the fact that everyone knows about the nsa now kind of shows how they fucked up 
and we'll talk about that in just a second. I mean, but we do we really know what the NSA does? We do, and we know because of fucking Snowden and everything uh. that came out, and let's talk about it. So the NSA was born from the Cypher Bureau, established in the wake of World War I. Hmm. Also known as the Black Chamber, the Cypher Bureau was America's first peacetime intelligence gathering organization. So totally stolen from the French. They're like, no, uh, we can do this better. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm on loan from the French. Uh, yeah, why does the Americans have a French accent? It would be because we were hiring them to name our shit better. So uh, how about Black Chamber? Does this sound good for you? So the Cypher Bureau was America's first peacetime intelligence gathering organization. And the actions of the Cypher Bureau in the mid-1900s would foreshadow the sketchy bullshit that they're involved with today. Ah, good. So we had uh, some warning. The NSA back then convinced a bunch of telegraph companies like Western Union to turn over the private communications of citizens and non-citizens alike. And just a rule of thumb, if you're a private company like Western Union and you are approached by an organization that calls itself the Black Chamber, you might want to ask a few questions before you give them a bunch of customer info. Or, you know, make sure the gun aimed at your head is loaded. Does it really sound like you're working for the good guys? Not even a little. <laughs> yeah. Hi, uh, Western Union. Uh, we're a division of the United States government uh, known as uh, Satan's Minions. <laughs> and uh, we're going to need you to break a few laws for us. So just uh, you know, be a pal. <laughs> but today, the NSA often manages, as we mentioned, to fly under the radar. Many Americans still have not heard of the NSA, which makes sense. Secrecy is kind of their whole job. But it's also partly because they're not quite as sexy as the other agencies. Hmm. Like note to self, if you want to get away with highly unethical privacy-invading shenanigans, be unsexy. Wait, so that's all I had to do to get away with the shit that I did in high school? Really? Was just be less sexy? Son of a bitch! That's why you are so bad at getting away with shit. Yeah, yeah. Caught every time. Sexy bitch. Sexy, chubby, furry bitch. <laughs> what? The gay men love me. Whatever. But while the CIA is home of the actual spies... The NSA is home of the nerds that assist the spies. Yeah, that's fair. They're also the guys who read all of your emails. The NSA is notoriously involved in mass data collection, including the surveillance programs exposed by Edward Snowden, in which the NSA was revealed to be creating an actual goddamn copy of the entire internet and spying on all of Americans' domestic internet traffic. Which, to me, is both genius and absolute numbskullery, because the size of the internet, they're like, no, we'll scan it all, we'll have time to read it later. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the only saving grace, is like, really? Are, are you reading my emails, NSA? I feel just pity for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> have at it. Feel free to see my passive-aggressive messages to my boss, where I, like, CC'd three people who weren't even involved, because I needed to call someone out. Right. Or, you know, the time I bitched at the mead company that, you know, my mead order was late. Yeah, go ahead, bro. But they're also looking at my dick pics. So, you know, it's like uh, six of one. I mean, you made somebody in the CIA blush. Once again, I just feel bad for the CIA having to <laughs> look at my dick pics. They're like, this guy, really? with the Really? Really? He should see a doctor. That doesn't look natural. If I worked at the NSA, I'd just every once in a while drop a note. Like, address the lighting. <laughs> Try again. Don't send that to that lady that's just a zit not a sore or a lesion sir this is crazy to me because we actually have laws in this country against spying on your own citizens we also have laws in this country regarding you know lying in advertising so we always follow our laws yes as we have learned the laws are more of a suggestion as long as it's the government that right. is breaking them right 
if you want to break a law, a little more black and white. Mm. Fuck the NSA. And if the NSA is listening, I didn't say that. Shane did. Also, you know, thank you for taking down the Nazis and informing the Navy SEALs where some of the terrorists might have been. You know, some things. But also, suck it, geeks. (laughs) Suck it, stats nerds. So along with the Russian KGB, Mm. which is obviously the Russian equivalent to MI6 and the CIA, all of those aforementioned modern spying agencies would become the primary combatants in a new version of simmering conflict between nations. Mm. As the Cold War dawned, the open hostility of battle transformed into the covert hostility of espionage. Mm. This was primarily due to the rise of nuclear power and nuclear weapons. I believe it's pronounced nuclear. Rage. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to... I have to collect myself. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to see the vein in your forehead throb once. <laughs> when America dropped atomic bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, the world collectively gasped and clutched their international pearls, immediately understanding that the global balance of power had shifted and that the consequences of warfare had suddenly escalated. Yeah. For the first time in history, mankind had created a weapon capable of exterminating all of humanity. As a result of the very real possibility of nuclear annihilation... Conflict between nuclear-armed nations went underground, Mm. as the superpowers that had emerged victorious from World War II began vying for global supremacy while also trying to avoid global destruction. Right. And I believe we covered this in a previous episode where we talked about the people who have thermonuclear weapons and those who don't. Israel with the underground and India with the things and the stuff and the testing of France. Yeah, that's the thing is that now because everyone has nuclear weapons, or at least quite a few countries do, and some of them have them and don't admit it, and some of them claim they have them and may or may not, either way, you got to be careful. Like nowadays, you can't poke the bull unless you want to get the horns. You got to misdirect the bull. Hmm. That's kind of what espionage is now. It's sort of like magicians. It's misdirection. You're like, look over there while I steal your stuff. Competition, conflict, and ultimately warfare did not come to an end, but they became much more passive-aggressive. The Cold War was waged via espionage and proxy battles and by shifting resources to resistance fighters in other nations. Hmm. You could write an entire book on all of the shady post-Cold War misdeeds and double-crosses and all of the spying between nations, and many people have. I was about to say, and there have been. So feel free to check those out, because I don't have time for all that. (laughs) But I guarantee this will come up in future episodes. Mm. And now, uh, much of the world's espionage has gone online. We will definitely do at least an episode or two at some point on hacking and cracking and all of the cyber attacks that have been directed at our global rivals. But that's all for another episode. So let's talk about what is life like as a spy. Mm. How does it compare to the novels and the movies? Do I get a suit? And a splody watch. Yeah, I'm not going to get too much into the tech. We'll save that for another one, too. Okay. So according to one ex-spy, quote, real-life espionage is a lot less sexy and a lot messier. Hmm. A spy's life is one of tedious endurance. It's long hours of cubicle living, going through the same files everyone else in the office has gone through, hoping to catch a missed lead, or it's waiting by the phone, hoping that the third secretary from the Ecuadorian embassy will call you back, or keeping your fingers crossed that your next three-year assignment isn't in Chad. What does he have against Chad? He's just like, suck it, Chad. And like, look, why are you bitching about Chad? Do you think that they're going to send you? You're not going to be a spy in the Bahamas. They're going to send you to shitty places. (laughs) You're going to be in the fucking desert. Get used to it. I love that that is a possible, like, I know it's not, but I love that if that were a possible, you know, place to be sent. We have to crack this uh, banana and coconut caper. 
This is Operation Mai Tai on the beach. Operation Sugarcane. But they always, that's the thing, is they always, like, use these... Operation Mai Tai would just be like, you know, Siberia. Right. You are now stationed in the Sahara. Yeah. Enjoy. So if none of this has soured you on espionage, and if you still want to become a spy, here's some more advice from a former spy named J.C. Carlson. I'm sure that's his real <laughs> that name. Definitely not a pseudonym. New. No. Quote, first of all, you have to live a fairly clean life to be able to make it through the background checks, the polygraphs, the medical tests, and all of that. So I guess translation, uh, if you're young and having fun, you better quit that shit right now. At least if you're hoping to someday realize the dream of becoming a professional liar. Wait, I thought that's if you were young and having fun, that's what you were. I'm confused. I'm sorry. Is that clear, hoodlums? This country only wants the most upstanding, squeaky clean citizens to work as professional liars and international thieves. Hmm. If you have stolen stuff in the past, that completely disqualifies you from the opportunity of getting paid to steal stuff in the future. For your country. That makes total sense, he said, nodding for no goddamn reason at all. Although I guess, you know, to be fair, if you have a criminal record, that means you did get caught, which I guess should probably disqualify you. Right. Here's the strategy. Just live a really boring life and then go to the CIA interview and be like, trust me, I got away with a lot of shit. You just didn't know about it. Remember Jimmy Hoffa? That was me. They're like, uh, no, it wasn't. We have the file here. We can point out the agent. So some more wisdom from this ex-spy who is definitely named J.C. Carlson. This person recommends that you focus on international studies and also be cool with travel. You're not going to make a great spy if you are an agoraphobic homebody. Also, don't be allergic to peanuts or shellfish or anything like that. Major allergies. Got it. That is not advice from quote-unquote jc carlson uh, that just seems like common sense and there's peanuts and everything just if you have if you're gonna be in china and russia a lot there's gonna be shellfish just probably not for you yeah it's fair or you know have anaphylactic shock kit like on a thigh holster here's some more from this particular individual who is totally named jc carlson quote everyone's watched all the movies so they think it's all high tech and guns and car chases but that's so not the case Really, the techniques boil down to basic human psychology and an understanding of what motivates people. The work involves meeting, networking, studying, and analyzing much more than it involves any of the things you've seen in a Bond movie. Hmm. And also, believe everything this person, whoever they are, says, because they totally wouldn't lie to you about what being a spy actually is, because spy. How dare you? How dare you malign this spy who sounds like a boy band member? <laughs> So we can't discuss the history of spying without talking about spies in pop culture, because in some ways, Hollywood and the entertainment industry have actually influenced the world of espionage. It's a complex feedback loop. Hmm. It's not just a one-way street. And we need to talk about famous spies, spying techniques, and spy capers. And we're going to get into all of that next week. Mother... <laughs> just like a spy. Son of a bitch. Shane, if that is your real name. I was fucking ready for all of that cool shit. I had something to say about umbrellas with, like, radium in the end and, like, you know, shoe heel mics and... Fucker. Well, now you know what to prepare for for next week. See, you can do some research and you can bring some stuff to me. That Nope, nope. Mine's next week after that. The, the one after that. You can't, can't make me do the research for you, sir. No, you don't have to do all the research, but nope. I'm saying you can nope. look into some of this. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no. So there is a lot more that I wanted to cover. I really wanted to get into some of the most famous espionage operations. 
I wanted to talk about Aldrich Ames and Robert Hansen and the Rosenbergs. And of course, we have to talk about James Bond and all of the depictions of spies in pop culture. The hell you say? This is a huge subject, and we could do entire episodes just on the CIA or the MI5 or the NSA, and maybe we will at some point in the future. But hopefully this episode provided at least a little bit of an overview of the intelligence industry and how it became what it is today. Yeah, I dig it. And, um, you know, I, I, I may do a little bit of research just to show I'm not a complete fuckwit. And I, I do remember the umbrella stabby radium bit, and that was a thing. And there were other technologies that were... Like you said, a feedback loop, they were they were either invented because of or were put in the movies because of what was found. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there there is that. But um, I also will just leave some of my idiocy in because otherwise, where would we go for material for the podcast? Well, luckily, there's an edit button. And if there's too much idiocy, it won't be left in. <laughs> I'm just going to leave this moment of silence for all the idiocy left behind. <laughs> just pouring out a little bit for the dead homies. <laughs> for the dead derp. All right, insomniacs all over the globe, go to the Discord. Decide our next course of action. Don't leave it in the hands of Shane. Please, please, God. Uh, Also, go to the Instagrams. Give Shane other ideas that he will never get to see, apparently, because the Discord will not vote for them. Um, And then finally, go to our merch store. Buy some shit for your house that says Miffy on it. It's awesome stuff. All of it is great. I own at least seven articles of Miffy. I'm wearing none of them now. (laughs) Shane is wearing at least one of them now. I am. I'm rocking some Miffy right now. And then finally, go somewhere where fine podcasts are sold, heard, or otherwise traded, and leave a review. Tell a friend. Tell a few enemies. Paste it to somebody who's unconscious on the subway. I don't care. Give us some feedback somewhere. Give us some exposure. And otherwise, as per usual, and forever. Knowledge is power. Sleep is overrated. <laughs>